Welcome to Rule of Law Talk, a podcast series of the World Justice Project, designed to share the latest learning about the rule of law, what it is, how it works, and how we build and sustain it. My name is Elizabeth Anderson, and I'm the Executive Director of the World Justice Project and the host of today's Rule of Law Talk. The topic for today's Rule of Law Talk is what makes a justice leader? Conversations with the Justice Leadership Group. The rule of law requires effective laws and institutions, to be sure. But it also requires leadership, that is, courageous acts of independence and integrity, sometimes at significant personal or professional cost. Inspiring and supporting this kind of justice leadership is a relatively new organization called the Justice Leadership Group. The group is an independent nonprofit organization founded in The Hague in the Netherlands in 2015 with support from the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Hague Institute for Innovation of Law, or HIL. It does not seek to make profit and has organized its work in a networked, agile way. The Justice Leadership Group has come together to support others who have accepted the task and the challenge of serving justice in their societies, comprised of a small group of justice leaders who have served as ministers of justice, international judges, or chief justices. They share first-hand experience with leading change at the highest political level and a strong commitment to delivering justice. Several members of the Justice Leadership Group were in The Hague recently for the Justice Partners Forum, convened by the Dutch government to address the challenge of meeting Sustainable Development Goal 16 and its promise of justice for all. I had the opportunity to visit with two members of the group, Sally Al-Bashir, former Minister of Justice of Jordan, and Willie Matunga, former Chief Justice and President of the Supreme Court of Kenya. My conversations with the two of them are today's Rule of Law Talk. Sally, welcome to Rule of Law Talk. So the Justice Leadership Group, tell, tell us a little bit about that collection of individuals. Who is it and, and what are you doing? Um, I have to say that the individual experiences have been diversified for all of us. I mean, you find people who actually, uh, we are all people that actually believe in the law. We have also to say that we believe in, in delivery to the public and, and, and justice, although the concept of justice is a very uh, laden concept. I mean, rule of law and justice are, are, are concepts that could mean multiplicity of things for multiplicity of people. And especially when when you go to the incremental approach of dealing with justice, uh, there is I call the bold letter rule, capital letter rule, uh, rule of law, and there is the small letter of rule, uh, rule of law, efficiency and, and delivery, rather than actually how do we agree on making the rules and making sure that the systems, uh, whether they are institutions in the justice sector or beyond. In, 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 in the country and public affairs at large uh, are accountable and delivered to the public. Um, so we have, we have actually people who have an international experience uh, 
like our colleague uh, Song, who actually presided uh, the International Criminal Court. We have chief justices from Kenya. Uh, uh, I mean, um, Willie. Uh, we've, we have also Tarsis, uh, uh, who actually played a major role as Minister of Justice uh, Rwanda after the uh, and, and after the genocide and making sure that there is some peaceful cohesion. Uh, uh, we've uh, had also colleagues from Latin America who actually faced some some political skirmishes here and there. Um, Talia, who actually done a brilliant job in the criminal justice system as the attorney general, but then now she is working on human rights and international cooperation. Uh, and but, but I actually had also an interesting uh, experience in, in my country uh, uh, when I've uh, had uh, uh, formalized the, the justice strategy as a facilitator, as Minister of Justice, uh, with with uh, with the judiciary in Jordan, who's a very capable uh, judiciary, but also with the other side, uh, just the government, and making sure that uh, rule of law as well as delivery uh, is, is is there. So we we're diversified group. I mean, unified by by our interest in the subject, but also the need to make sure that. Uh, that uh, the message gets out. And what is the message? Justice can be better. <laughs> Invariably, it can it can be better. Uh, the message also: uh, don't be afraid of, of trying. However, uh, that process has to be inclusive. That process has to be vetted and and talked about. And uh, it's a process where actually where where you need to seek help inside and outside. Uh, I found uh, that uh, international institutions, such as the the organization uh, that you are working in, uh, help a lot in, in actually focusing attention internationally and locally on on certain elements that could be improved. Uh, indicators is is one area that uh, that help quite a bit in in actually capturing the imagination of uh, extra lawyer politicians mm. so extra judicial politicians to to actually give more attention there uh, uh, I found also that uh, trying to have all these indicators that uh, uh, deal with justice, also with economic uh, empowerment and growth, also helpful. You know, justice is, uh, justice is an area where individual and collective economic and political rights could be vindicated. This is seldom talked about. And actually, if you want to deal with this just within this concept, then significant resistance will face uh, one in, in many aspects of the world. And uh, it is in actually having these conversations, these indicators, and focusing on one side over the other in terms of 
of priorities will inevitably build the machine that is capable of delivering the grand scale rule of law, capital letter rule of law, mm-hmm. that we are all aspiring for. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So tell us how the um, Justice Leadership Group works. How often do you meet? How do you identify the, the places and the people you will assist? How does it work? I mean, the I mean, basically, uh, we probably meet uh, once or twice um, a year. Uh, uh, Love being here in, in the Hague, uh, the international capital of justice. Uh, we usually probably get uh, requests, and and then we, we I mean, we we have either uh, in person or uh, remote uh, discussion about it, and find out actually. Uh, how effective we can be, uh, whether actually the, the we are the best uh, uh, group to actually lend a hand, engage uh, with uh, with uh, with the leader uh, or the uh, or the person, and and decide how how we can be best of help, and then uh, probably some of us would uh, would uh, engage in in, in doing uh, in doing that. We also, I mean, uh, sometimes uh, whenever there is a a hot subject that uh, that requires some intervention, where we don't or or the, the the case in question does does not know how to best approach it, then actually we find our discussions very helpful in creating an intervention not by us but also by by a party who's interested to deal, especially in hot zones where. Where, where the law could be better and the politics and the violence could be less. Mm-hmm. I would imagine some of this advice is delivered in a very confidential way. Absolutely. Um, Under the radar, very little, uh, very little publicity. Is there any case that you can tell us about? I, I mean, the, we've, we've had a couple of, uh, not being specific, but we had a couple of interventions in Latin America uh, in the Middle East, you know, I I live in in, in Jordan. Jordan is a very stable uh, country, but we have quite difficulties around us. Uh, uh, I mean, the refugee status, as well as some of the violence that have ridden uh, our part of the world, and and uh, some of our thinking helped in actually making some of the international uh, approach to to justice. Uh, in in post conflict areas uh, is is being uh, carried through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thinking back to when you were minister, yeah. if there were a justice leadership group, how would that have helped mm-hmm. you? It would have probably made me bolder in some of the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have made me avoid some of the skirmishes that uh, that. Uh, wasted time and probably caused some unwarranted politicization of, of some of the situations. Uh, as well as it would probably, you know, one one area that actually was very, very difficult for me when I started is I didn't have baseline data. And uh, we, there, there was actually some, some information in the World Bank website 
Uh, but that's that's as much as as was there, and therefore trying to figure out what to do, and also to 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 try to formulate some of the policies needed uh, 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 with very little or no data uh, was also a very very uh, uh, difficult thing to do. So, uh, I mean. Uh, now slightly things are slightly better, not slightly actually a lot better in terms of, of data available, benchmarking possibilities. Uh, but uh, then actually the, the, the stories that could be told by the different players as well as the words of wisdom and what uh, the do's and don'ts are, are essential. And you know, the, 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 I mean, justice is 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 traditional institutions that are built on very rigid rules and laws. However, eventually, change in the in the in and change in and improvement in the justice sector requires a lot of personal skills as well as dialogue. So uh, thinking back, one last question maybe um, on your experience as a justice leader and in this group advising other justice leaders, what do you think are the essential qualities of someone who's going to be effective in such a role? You have to be genuine. You have to engage uh, uh, your principles and actually deliver on, on, on them. Uh, uh, you have to hope that uh, uh, whatever you started would be picked up by by successors, because uh, I mean, change uh, would take a bit longer than the lifespan of any single individual. Uh, and uh, you avoid politics as much as you can. The, the more you depoliticize the the uh, your mission, the better. And you have also to love and respect the people you work with. Eventually, most people mean well, uh, and even when people resist, that does not mean they are necessarily uh, 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 negative or 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 bad people. I mean, if 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 you win by convincing and converting some some of these people who mean well, then actually your your, your journey is going to be an interesting one, and and therefore, uh, 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 justice institutions want to deliver justice, and absent the real awful vices of total lack of independence or 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 prevalent corruption. These people are hardworking and they want to deliver on a message and therefore you have to love it, to love to work with these people and things will happen. Great. Well, thank you so much uh, for these insights and, um, and for the work you're doing with the Justice Leadership Group. The pleasure is mine. And now we turn to another member of the Justice Leadership Group, Justice Matunga, former Chief Justice and President of the Supreme Court of Kenya. Okay, uh, Justice Matunga, uh, delightful to be visiting with you. Tell tell us about the Justice Leadership Group mm -hmm. and how it came to be. Um, I was invited by Sam uh, Mueller. I think all of us, the founding 
leaders were recruited by some uh-huh. uh, because he knew each one of us and uh, he knew of our work. So Tassis from uh, um, Rwanda, Claudia from Guatemala, uh, and there was, uh, but I can't remember his name, was actually uh, Dutch. Uh-huh. And then Salah uh, was was there. I think that was, that's about all, and of Ath- Athalia. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so the, the, the idea of justice lead, um, leaders was really modeled on the, the popular idea of elders. Uh-huh. Uh, that was uh, Robinson, Mandela, Desmond Tutu. Um, people, a group of people will be used uh, uh, to either defend certain causes or, uh, or people who could intervene because of their status. Mm-hmm. So what's the need that it's serving? Well, uh, basically, you know, defending and protecting judicial independence. Uh, we dealt with Claudia in Guatemala. She was attorney general and she carried out fantastic reforms and she faced a lot of uh, uh, opposition and uh, trumped up charges. So we we stood up with her, you know, against. How did you do that? Well, it's, it's, it's basically informal. Um, we never got to go to Guatemala because it opened. It wasn't, uh, uh, we didn't think that it was in our interest to do that, but we did go to Guatemala after she left uh, Guatemala for, for the U.S. And she was safe, so we did go there and uh, talk about, you know, those particular issues. And that's protecting a judicial officer serving or uh, retired who is facing problems because of what they did. And invariably, it's about uh, reforms that they are carrying out. There are people who basically get into trouble because they are trying to fight corruption, because they are, going, you know, they are prosecuting people and uh, the untouchables and so forth. So there was, there, was, there was that bit that I thought was important. Then we got into innovating justice, you know, mm-hmm. technology and whatnot. And that was useful for me uh, because uh, we, we were carrying judicial transformation in Kenya then. And there was need, as I said earlier, of integrating traditional justice systems and mm-hmm. the formal ones. Mm-hmm. And so Hill and the justice leaders were, you know, great teachers for that. Mm-hmm. Even Hill did do a report on the justice needs in Kenya. Uh, and now, you know, they're working in Uganda. Uh, uh, so, so that component, the, the component about innovating justice has been also very fundamental. Mm-hmm. Where we, we, we come in and we pay attention to these competitions. Like when they come to Kenya, you know, they picked a few people from Kenya who are residing today. They, I would I would then go there and be you know not part of the judges but basically to see uh, I think what's going on. Um, then there's 
The other issue is, is basically one of jurisprudence. You get to understand, mm. you know, the burning issues in the legal profession. Um, and now we has, we've started uh, doing documentaries about, you know, leaders. They did one, they came to Kenya, and they, they were able to do one. Mm-hmm. So the, there is now an archive of uh, quite a number of justice uh, leaders. And as you can see, the other one we saw today, it raises a new dimension of who is a justice leader. Mm-hmm. Because people think just leaders are retired judges and attorney generals and whatever. But now there's a broad perspective that has come in of, well, mm-hmm. these people in the informal sector who uh, hear and determine disputes, they're also justice leaders. They are seen by the people who bring the disputes to them as, as justice leaders as well. You come to this work with such different experiences, some some similarities, of course, but also uh, very different contexts and, and even roles in your justice systems. Do you ever find that you disagree about what should happen or the advice that you should give? Or the- no, there are disagreements. Uh, definitely, um, uh, I remember... We, we used to discuss a lot about uh, the dialogue, you know, between the three arms of state, mm-hmm. the executive, parliament, and the judiciary. And you know, Athalia was uh, attorney general, mm-hmm. so she would basically give her own uh, take on how she advises uh, the president and other people and how difficult it is and so forth. And we did discuss. Uh, the issue of uh, demystifying what is called separation of powers. Mm-hmm. Because in the national interest, if you are fighting corruption, you, you, you must have constructive engagement. Blame games will not, you know, uh, make you succeed. So I, I benefited a lot from talking to Athalia in uh, initiating a dialogue in Kenya with the hmm. speaker and with the president uh, around issues of corruption, around issues of what the judiciary does and what it doesn't do, mm-hmm. which is an opportunity uh, to avoid these uh, you know, divisions. Because mm-hmm. if you're focusing on uh, transforming a society, mm-hmm. then both arms must work in, must work seamlessly and right. very effectively. Um, so there's, there's a lot, when I think back, you know, there's a lot that I took from the justice leadership sure. and used it. So um, It can be helpful to get the perspective yeah. of, from outside your own context, I would think. Yeah, and uh, the protection, the protection that I felt mm-hmm. I had in case, you know, I got into trouble. Yeah. Or, or the opportunity to ask them to come and mediate something. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, it's always useful when you have people from different countries and they're coming to speak to your president or to, you know, to the speaker about an issue. And you know very well that they are not parochial, they are not uh, interested in certain uh, local interests. Mm-hmm. Just talking about 
some important issues of principle, mm-hmm. uh, such as such as justice. And uh, I remember there was a dispute between the judiciary, uh, executive, and parliament. And uh, I told them that it would be very good if they come and mediate, uh, because the case was in court. Um, what happened is that uh, parliament and the executive interfered with the Judicial Service Commission, which is uh, the institution that recruits and disciplines judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Judicial Service Commission uh, fired uh, the chief registrar of the judiciary. And um, so the executive and parliament decided to disband it. And then the Judicial Service Commission went to court to stop it. And uh, of course, the courts now, the parliament and the executive basically thought that they were losing because these are, this is the judiciary and these are their judges. And so it became very necessary to actually mediate rather than wait for the outcome. Uh, but uh, we needed to know whether the president and the speaker would welcome uh, that intervention. Uh, but uh, the president called a meeting of the three of us, speaker, president, chief justice, and I told them, this court, this case is in court, let's disrespect, you know, uh, the independence of the judiciary, let the judiciary decide. And the judiciary decided, the judges, five of them, decided in favor of the judiciary. So uh, I remember the president calling me and said, oh, you knew this all along that the judiciary would decide for you. And so I said, no, this wasn't the issue. The issue is that you need an independent judiciary because you don't know yourself when you are going to need it. Mm -hmm. A judiciary that can be manipulated by anybody. It can be manipulated against you once you are out of office. And uh, and that calmed him down, um, you know, I, I, I think. Uh, but I think the Justice Leadership Group could have basically given that message mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the legacy, you know, Mr. President, you want to be known you as uh, a president who protected the independence of the judiciary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That becomes part of legacy. I think politicians... Uh, like people who can actually identify their interests and have a dialogue on that basis. Uh, if, sure. Yeah, yeah. They listen. When when you personalize an issue like independence of the judiciary and you tell the president, you know, one day you won't be president, how would you like to be uh, arraigned in a court where you won't get justice? Because mm-hmm. your enemies have basically said you should be dispatched and you should be sent to jail. So it becomes a personal thing for them and they realize, yeah, you know, this makes sense. Just like the issue of legacy also. They would like to be remembered for something that they did. Um, and as a judicial officer, I also discovered that uh, politicians uh, need to be uh, given political advice. 
uh, are not legal advice. Hmm. The legal advice might be against their interests, but you have to tell them this is what the law states and so forth and so forth. And it will not be in your interest to go this particular way. Mm -hmm. The latter advice is political. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because a lot of these dictators don't want to be told that there is a law that forbids them from doing A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. So you've got to say, that's a law, you've got to observe it. And when you observe it, the people who applaud you, the international community is watching. They want to see whether they respect the rule of law. So it becomes a political discussion, uh, which is comfortable for them because they can you know, relate to it. But uh, constitutionalism, legality, a lot of dictators basically think that they are above the law. Mm. And unless you identify the interests, their interests and you basically uh, personalize the discussion and politicize it, they don't get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe one last question for you um, mm -hmm. from, from your own experience mm -hmm. uh, as Chief Justice, mm -hmm. um, your work with the leadership group. Mm -hmm. What what do you see as the essential qualities of a effective justice leader? No, that's a that's a great question because uh, you remember in the the panel, I when you asked me to basically give advice to the innovators, I I basically said that they are justice leaders as well. Mm -hmm. So that's a broad, uh, you know, the broad perspective of it. But I think uh, the core ingredient of any justice leader is integrity and independence. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also add the third one, which is uh, uh, the confidence that the people have in that justice leader. Mm -hmm. So you, you might be a pastor who hears disputes in your, you know, in your own church, uh, but as long as people don't see you as a pastor of integrity and independence, uh, then you, you can't be a justice leader. Because one party is basically when you say, you know, was Elizabeth compromised, okay? So in the community, just like in the formal system, uh, you want people who uh, can can never think that you are capable of taking a bribe, for example. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult because there is reality and the perception, but you have to struggle. Uh, that is, that is so, so important because even when you decide a case and you want to tell Elizabeth why you lost, why Elizabeth thought, they, you, if, if, if there is trust, you believe what I'm saying. Sure. Uh, the reasons I'm giving and so forth. So even within the traditional justice system, the reason why people go to those pastors and bishops and imams, elders and people they trust is, 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 is basically the integrity. Mm -hmm. Integrity is so cool and that, that they are independent and they, they are humane and uh, they won't consider taking a bribe uh, and uh, they will do what is, you know, that is right. You know, whether it's the Solomonic wisdom that we get to know in the in the Bible. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It was based on uh, yeah wisdom, but the judgment itself uh, shows a lot of integrity and humanity. The kid wasn't killed, you know. So 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 it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle because uh, in ta- in real life, judges face a lot of pressures, you know, against their independence and integrity. And a lot of people think of the executive and they think of uh, parliament, corporate interests, civil society interests. But rarely do we think of our friends, you know, family, Mm. our religion, our ethnic communities, because those are pressures as well. Sure. I've known judges who are incorruptible, but they are brought down by their spouses or their sons. Mm. They are friends who are basically saying, well, uh, you know, I can can go and talk to my father about, you know, this issue. And I don't know, you know, whether that uh, is happening. So I, uh, as Chief Justice, I was very, very aware of, you know, those pressures. They are very insidious, you know, because everybody is waiting to see whether the president called you and gave you orders and so forth. The president didn't do it, but my community uh, kept on pressurizing me, you know, what are you going to do for the community? Why are you building courts in uh, far-flung areas when the community doesn't have, you know, courts and so forth? The, the politics of, the, the what is it called? The Americans call it pork barrel. Politics, is it? Mm. When, are, when are you going to bring this yes, uh, home and so yep. forth? Um, and it it happens with the communities because in our society, uh, Kenya, for example, the politics of division make that inevitable. Mm-hmm. Everybody who is in public service wants to do something for their own community because the other fellow is doing you know, the, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so the notion of a chief justice for all Kenyans, it's it's uh, it's, um, it's it's something that you say and people just don't believe that you can be mm-hmm. a chief justice for Kenyans. You must be a chief justice of your people, your ethnic community, your religion. <laughs> you know, your region, uh, because you're not dealing with nations. Okay, you're you're dealing with uh, ethnic communities that are so divided. Mm -hmm. And that's the narrative from the politician is so divisive that you're operating within that, uh, you know, within um, that environment, which is, which is, which is very, very difficult. And the only way to deal with it is, I found, to be very open about it and, uh, avoid perceptions, because perceptions are worse than the reality. Mm-hmm. If people perceive that you are corrupt or you are taking bribes, you are, you are done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in a nutshell, integrity, independence, the confidence mm-hmm. of the people you judge or the people who come before you, they, they, you know, they might have must have that. And I think in all societies, there's always a struggle, even in the U.S., you know. Uh, of course. 
as uh, institutions uh, become uh, strong, they might be strong at some point, and then they become weak. A great example is India during Indira Gandhi, you mm -hmm. know, the judiciary supported the emergence laws which were very draconian and anti-people. But later, the same Supreme Court uh, became very innovative in uh, decisions on human rights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That the right to life means also the right to livelihoods, and you know they they did that. So that confidence from the people, you know, seesaws, and the challenge is to make sure that is consistent and continuous mm -hmm. as, as, as much as possible. And it's, it's 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 not easy because people tend to remember the decision that they thought was hopeless. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. That and sticks that becomes, in, in, yeah. in memory, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there. Yes, you're absolutely right. There are ebbs and flows in rule of law, but mm -hmm. I think um, we are very fortunate to have the Justice Leaders Group to mm -hmm. be maybe helping even that out uh, over time in in yeah. many places. So, thank you for that work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Rule of Law Talk today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with two members of the Justice Leadership Group. To learn more about the group, you can visit their website at justiceleaders.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Rule of Law Talk for more insights on the rule of law, how we get it, and how we sustain it. Thank you.